In the name of the one holy and undivided Trinity, one God. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. One of my favorite shows of all time, without doubt, is The West Wing. I hear some fans out there. For those of you unfortunate souls who have never had the opportunity to watch an episode, it is a remarkable display of writing. The show's premise is to highlight the White House staffers who keep the wheels of the White House on track. In one episode, Press Secretary C.J. Craig is in a frenzy to prepare for a dinner where Nobel uh, Prize winners will be in attendance. She will be seated by a Nobel Prize winner uh, for chemistry, and she knows nothing about chemistry. All that she can remember are a few facts about the person and that the chemical abbreviation for salt is N-A-C-L, sodium chloride, which she dutifully and without reserve informs everyone of in the West Wing. To be honest, I feel as if I am in the same boat when it comes to chemistry, not doing so hot in that course in high school. So I was surprised to find out that salt actually doesn't lose its saltiness. Which begs the question, why does Jesus think it can? (laughs) Well, according to some individuals who obviously did better in chemistry than I did, um, explain that in in the ancient world, especially in Israel, Salt was often mined from crude sources, for example, marshes. In doing so, if this salt was exposed after being cured to, mo- to moisture of any kind, um, it would result in the sodium chloride, salt, weeping away, leaving other trace elements and crude minerals in its place. It would still look like salt, but it wouldn't be salty. The stable elements that make up salt are gone or diluted, leaving little in its place. Salt, of course, was important for preservation and flavoring, and finding its use use also in purification rituals in many Middle Eastern cultures. The point is this, because I know you didn't come here for a history on salt. (laughs) If salt loses its saltiness, its NaCl, sodium chloride, it's diluted or washed away, it doesn't taste like salt anymore and it's no good to anyone. Thinking that we might need a little more context for what he's going for, Jesus gives us another example. A light hidden does no good. This example would have resonated with the people of Jesus' time, especially in Israel. 
Houses were often one room with one opening. Thus, a candle or lamp burning would pour light out into the streets, lighting the streetway for others. A hidden lamp under a basket isn't just a fire hazard, but it restricts the light going to where it needs to go the most. It restricts others from seeing the way. And then we get to this section on the law where Jesus basically is saying here, I'm I'm not here to change anything, but bring it to its fullness. The law was given to the people in order that God's people might build and keep a relationship with God and with each other. Jesus says, I'm not here to destroy that. I'm not here to change any of that. I am here so that you might have a fulfilled relationship with God and with each other. The stories about lights and salt lend to this idea. We aren't just called to be good people following the law. The religious leaders did that, as we heard in the gospel reading. Jesus says we are to move beyond that. It's not good enough to have your light, but we are called to share light with others. We aren't just called to preserve the faith, like salt preserves. We are called to add flavor and share that essence with others. The basis, the basis of all of this, if you haven't caught on already, is relationships. What we have inherited isn't to be kept to ourselves. It is to be cared for and stewarded for God and for others. Our collect uses the term abundant life, meaning a life that has more than enough. The abundant life that we are called to, that we are freed uh, to enjoy in Christ, is to be shared. Not just shared with those whom we get along with, that's easy, but shared with those who we might struggle to love, to see their point of view, to fully engage with them. Living in the life of the resurrected Christ is not easy. It's certainly a daily commitment for me. Some days easier than others. And so I wonder. I wonder how each of us is being called to be light and salt, to build relationships, to share what we have. What is the small thing you can do to add flavor to or to light the way for someone else? How are we as a church being called to move beyond seeing the risen Christ and just those who enter our doors on Sunday morning, but also in those who we meet in our ministries, in the groups we host, in those who may never set foot within this building? I'm curious this morning how we might find a way to give a little more light to those who are wandering by themselves and forgotten by the rest of the world. We know. 
We know that an interaction with the risen Christ changes us. We have countless stories of that in our sacred text and in the lives represented here today. In a moment, you will be invited to find the risen Christ in the breaking of the bread. Maybe that moment will come in the bread itself when it's handed to you or maybe in the person next to you at the rail. Wherever it is, however it takes place, don't keep that love and abundance to yourself because you're given more than you can ask for or imagine in that little wafer. But go. Go and share it with those whom you meet. Amen.